Advanced Principles Podcast, or APP, was created to be an outlet for like-minded individuals to share in the broader conversations on leadership, retail market updates, and incredible personal success stories. On APP, you will hear a collection of stories from the titans of the retail industry, as well as thought and practice leaders covering the spectrum of the economy. Please click the subscribe button and look for the newest episodes to be released. You're going to play with numerous Olympians and EPL stars and everything else. You know, would that satisfy you? I don't know if I've told this story on a podcast, Brian. You're getting it first time. Wells Thompson is the founder and CEO of Soccer Resilience, a company providing players, coaches, parents, and referees specialized mental fitness support and strategies to strengthen their resilience. Wells's career as a nine-year professional soccer player, where he was the number five overall pick in the 2007 MLS draft, as well as a 2010 MLS Cup champion, coach, entrepreneur, and ultra runner, adds a plethora of valuable experiences and insights. His faith, relationships, and the sport of soccer have played critical roles in shaping him into the man he is today. He is passionate about helping others reach their full mental, physical, and emotional potential on and off the field. All right, Wells Thompson, welcome to App today. We're so excited to have you on. Such an impressive bio background, full of great life experiences. Super excited to kind of unpack uh, the Wells Thompson life story and let everyone in on it. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I was wondering what took you so long to get me on the show because, I mean... But I'm so glad to finally be here. Um, excited to sit down and talk to you, brother. Yep, absolutely. Glad your schedule finally allowed for it and all the uh, things that you have going on, which we're going to talk a lot about. So I'm glad that we're able to connect. And um, so kind of the first first start, um, for anybody that doesn't know your background or history, why don't you just give us a, a little bit of uh, background on the life of Wells Thompson and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, man. Um, got the greatest family in the world my mom and my dad. And so I realized that more and more because I have three young kids now, uh, all boys, eight, five, and three. And I'm like, man, it looks so easy to be a parent. I like, it's freaking hard. Holy moly. (laughs) But, uh, so I had great parents that gave me the world, um, played every sport growing up. Sucker was what I was best at, what I loved the most. So stuck with it. Never was supposed to to play. I don't know how much you want me to get into that, but never was supposed to really play in college. By the time I was 16 years old, I was literally going to end up dead or in jail because the decisions I was making, I was what you call a dumbass. I'm sorry if I cussed on the podcast. <laughs> uh, kids, uh, I was a dumb fanny. Um, I just didn't make good decisions as a kid. Uh, by the grace of God, I ended up walking on to Wake Forest, played there. And everybody knows college soccer, they know Wake's the best. So um, I was competing against some really good athletes, guys that captain our U.S. and youth national team since they were in diapers. And I was just kind of a hometown scrub. And um, I was drafted in 2007, fifth overall. So played nine years professionally, and that was cool. I was able to live out my dream. It's kind of my dream as a kid, you know, I don't know if it was really calculated. I just loved the game and kind of wanted to play as long as I could. Um, I married my pre-K sweetheart. This is, this is the best part of it right here. No joke. She's my first girlfriend, third grade. Uh, she's the love of my life. We just celebrated 10 years and we have three young boys and a golden retriever. The American dream right there. The American dream. Yep. 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 Absolutely. So cool. And uh, you've had a you've had a great post playing career, which we're going to spend a lot of time talking about today. 
Um, but that, that's, a, that's a long journey to cover with a lot of big milestones in there. So we're going to spend a little bit of time unpacking them. And certainly you said you played all sports um, as you were growing up. I would imagine that you were, you know, talented at all of them, probably a high achiever. But you said, you know, you weren't really expected to play even at the collegiate level, let alone the professional ranks. So what, what do you think changed? What, what, what kind of spun that around and got you believing that you are capable, you can compete, and you can continue to ride that dream out and continue to chase it? Yeah, I think I always thought I could compete. I knew I was talented. Um, my dad tells a story. I think it was I was 11 years old and we had a tournament down in Charleston, South Carolina. I ended up scoring. The, uh, we won the tournament and I scored 11 of the team's 13 goals. And my dad actually took me out of school on Monday and was like, man, I think you can really like he recognized in him in like the talent in me. And uh, it was really cool kind of hearing my dad share this with me because I don't really remember it. But he was like, hey, man, you can do this. You can be whatever you want. You're very talented. You can, you know, but you have to make good decisions. And uh, the way he says it is way more profound than me. Um, it wasn't all about like being the best athlete. It was about like going after your dreams and, and doing it the right way and those sorts of things. Um, yeah. So I, I think I always believed in myself. Um, the decisions I made as a kid, especially in high school, um, didn't almost didn't allow me to chase my dream because uh, it almost killed me, man. Literally almost killed me. I mean, I, I, I started uh, experimenting um, with drugs and alcohol at a very early age. And I literally, I mean, every time I tell my story, I'm like, you're such an idiot. Well, it's like, why <laughs> you are an idiot. Um, but I, I literally lived, I want to be known as the guy that just did the most drugs that got effed up the most that partied. And that's how I live my life, man. Um, actually my parents say the straw that broke the camel's back is when I wanted to quit soccer. So I'd stopped going to school. I kind of ran away from home and I was like, I want to quit soccer. And so my parents tricked me. They knew they had to intervene to, in my life um, to, to change my life. And thank God my parents had the resources to do that. And a lot of families don't. They, 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 uh, they tricked me to come home and they hired guys to kidnap me in the middle of the night. And uh, they drove me to what I call dumb fanny school. It was basically a lockdown facility school for troubled kids that were just trying to get their life in order. So from 16 to 18, which are pretty critical years in terms of like wanting to play in college or, you know, take your game to the next level. I spent a year and a half in a, a lock, lockdown facility in upstate New York. And so I really kind of, you know, I don't know if I consciously thought my dreams were dead then, but I did know that the sooner I, like I learned pretty fast, the sooner I just started to follow the rules that the sooner I could get out. So my parents took me out after 18 months. I came back to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, repeated my senior year. Uh, just by the grace of God, I grew up like five minutes from Wake Forest campus. The coaches knew me, they knew who I was. And they were like, you know, we have a spot for you, no scholarship. Actually, I think that that was just the assistant coach. The assistant coach had to convince Jay Vidovich. Jay, I don't think Jay Vidovich wanted anything to do with me. Thank God he obliged and brought me on because uh, I loved every minute. But, and I didn't want to go close to home. I actually wanted to go really far away from home. Um, but the opportunity was just too good to pass up to go to Wake Forest, get an education and, and play for, you know, they're, they're one of the premier teams in, in college soccer. So it was yeah. Cool. And a great walk-on story because you went from being a walk-on and maybe with the head coach begrudgingly allowing you to be a walk-on to um, having a, an impactful role during your time there and then leading you up to being drafted for the MLS. So 
what what kind of turned the corner with the coaches and your teammates on the field once you took that role as a walk-on? Well, it's funny because when I got drafted fifth overall four years later, the coaches said, Wells, we thought you'd never play a day at Wake. And wow. I was like, well, why'd you bring me here? You know what I mean? Like, geez. Um, you know, I so even backtracking further, um, Winston-Salem was a smaller club. And so we were playing the big clubs of like Raleigh and Charlotte. And so I, if you know me, I'm a fighter. I have this always have to put much for under mentality. I think a little of that comes from my brother. I have an older brother who's a great athlete and every day looked like this. We go home from school. He beats me in basketball, chuck the basketball at him and he beats me up. I just hated losing, but he taught me so many lessons during that time that like, I look back on like, man, that really prepared you for going to wake. And so I look at the time of like getting shipped off to school, uh, like that just prepared me when I went to wake. And, um, so, um, I would also try out for like Olympic development program, which is like the best of the best in the state. They try out for Olympic development program and I just never made it. Right. Mm -hmm. I never made it. And it's not like I didn't make it. I didn't make it past the second round, I don't think. And so I remember like like Michael Jordan, I cried and I hated it and I I got those letters in the mail. Um, But it just it pushed me. It motivated me. It inspired me to to um, to prove people wrong, to work harder. And one, and so that all prepared me when I went to wake and I saw the reverse of that guys that captain our U S men's national team, since they were in diapers, they'd come in and it'd be the first time they really struggled with playing time with competition. And some of them didn't know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, often like I'm so thankful for those things. Right. And, um, it's the down times and the hard things and the crappy things that really teach us, uh, and propel us later on in life. If we, if we choose to use them in that manner. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a a really impactful four years and for you to have that internal fortitude, um, just to continue to fight and kind of that underdog, the chip on your shoulder mentality, I don't think uh, enough people have that anymore. I think it's kind of a waning trait in our society. So it's really cool um, to hear the success and recent success. And that led to the professional ranks. So other than the Wake coaches telling you that they didn't think you'd ever play a minute while you're at Wake, what was draft night like? And the realization that, yes, I'm now going to be playing a game for a paycheck, something that I've always wanted to do and had amazing passion for. What was that? What was that feeling like? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm, I probably come off not as calculated as I am in terms of like my whole journey to play at a high level. Um, I, I was something was in me like I would come home from school, middle school and do like ab workouts, workouts. Wow. like I would wake up with my dad at like five in the morning, go running when I was like 10. And so when I, when I actually, when I was sent off to school in New York and I've actually never, I don't know if I've told this story on a podcast, Brian, you're getting it first time. Premier. Like it's out there. Yeah, actually so, world premiere. So I, I just happened to have a uh, mentor or a counselor at the school I was sent to that kind of ran the school and he knew my ambitions to, to, to play pro soccer. So I was the only person in school history that had permission to run laps before breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was a like one tenth mile little track around our, uh, we called them family rooms. They were families. And so I would, I would wake up, uh, five in the morning and I'd go run before breakfast. Uh, I'd go out there 30 minutes before lunch and run. And so I was just super fit. And this translates to me going to college because I realized that the easiest way to separate yourself from somebody else 
is to just be fitter than them, mm-hmm. is to work harder than them. Because, right? Because it, everything breaks down when you're tired, your mind, your body. And so I just would try to get in the best shape I could. Um, and that really served me when I went to wake and, um, I, I never forget. So Bobby Muse was the assistant coach. He's really the one that brought me on to wake. Uh, he just said that, uh, he would go in after practice my freshman season to Jay Vidovich's office and say, you got to play Wells. You've got to play Wells. And Jay Vidovich would go, man, if only this guy and this guy would work like Wells. And so eventually Jay gave in and he ended up starting to play me. Uh, I forget what your original question was. What was, oh, what was draft night? Like, yep, this is yep. a funny story. Three days before the draft, Jay Vidovich calls me in and goes, you need to go to Indianapolis where the draft was. And I was like, what for? And he was like, it's for the draft, you idiot. And uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, cool. So me and my parents actually, we spent our own money to go to the draft. And if you're like a top 10 draft pick, the league's going to fly you up and take care of you. So we went up, we knew who everybody was. And come draft night, um, you know, we'd have a little section cornered off for the families. And so my dad gets the front row and I'm like, dad, I'm going to be the only one sitting here. You know, I don't blame him. I would have done the same thing. Um, but they, I was sitting beside my best friend, Ryan Solly, uh, who's a two-time All-American at Wake. He was a midfielder at Wake, which I was a midfielder. Um, I knew the Revolution liked me. They had the 11th pick. They ended up trading up for the fifth. And I was like, ah, oh, there goes my shot, right? It's like the brain's negativity. It's like, mm-hmm. I think I'm, all, I'm automatically out of it. Well, they traded up for me because they liked me. Um, and Don Garber, the commissioner, goes, a midfielder from Wake Forest. And my buddy Ryan says he starts to stand up. <laughs> like they think they're going to call him. And they say Wells Thompson. And everything's a little bit of a blur after that. I just it was a dream come true. I hug my parents, hug Ryan, try not to trip walking up the stairs, shaking the commissioner's hand. Uh, the coach that drafted me was Scottish. I couldn't understand a word he said, literally. I, I was like, what, what are you saying? Steve nickel. He's like one of the best 11 players to ever play for Liverpool. Um, he's an awesome guy. And eventually I was just, just everything he said to me, I just started saying, yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. You know, like, uh, so it was special, man. I mean, it, you know, not many people get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly, there were millions of times in my life where I never thought it would happen, but it did. And uh, I'm thankful. This is a big part of me, like being focusing on the positive of my career, because um, I don't tend to do that. Actually, I played nine years professionally. And as a matter of fact, my wife, Daphne, three weeks ago said, I said something about my career and it was positive. And she goes, that's the first time I've ever heard you say something positive about your career. I was like, I'm doing wow. it. I'm changing, changing yep. my mindset, my perspective. So yeah. Good for you. Good for you. She's yelling so, in the other room and go. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, such a, such a cool experience and, you know, for the hundreds of thousands and millions of kids that grow up playing sports and have aspirations to play professionally, I can't even imagine what that, that realization is like. Um, so how long did it really take to settle in and you just, you, you kind of fully realize like, okay, I'm, I'm moving now from North Carolina to Boston in the new England area. I'm, I'm playing yeah. in the professional ranks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, pretty quickly, my dad says like, if you ask my dad the story, he'll say like, we were the Beverly Hillbillies. Like we knew who everybody else was. They didn't really know who we were. But my dad says it was immediate change after I got drafted. Everybody was coming up and like talking to me and being like, oh, Wells. And so um, it was the first time in my life that I went, I had gone from like the underdog to like, you know, the top dog. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, I, I think it set in pretty quick. Um, 
Yeah, my, t- my teammate, Ryan Solly, who I was telling you about, was actually drafted in the second round to the Revolution. So we drove up there together and, uh, yeah, just didn't really know what to expect. I was excited for the opportunity. Um, yeah, so it was, it, was, it was cool. Honestly, sometimes it feels like it never happened. I wish I could go back, right, and enjoy it a little bit. That's life. Yeah. Um, it was cool. Yeah, very cool. So you went up there and immediately the team had success. Uh, I, I, you know, you had impactful time. Um, I yeah. believe you guys in your first or second year, you won the uh, Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup, correct? And, yeah, first, uh, first, year. first year there. And so what was that like being in that environment and not only joining a team, but then joining a successful and a, and a cup winning team? Yeah. So they were, you know, Clint Dempsey was there. He had just left the year I came in Taylor Twoman. They drafted a bunch of scrubs like Michael Parkhurst and he's great by the way, uh, James Riley, uh, uh, a lot of really big name people. Right. And so, um, it was, it was, uh, it was a good team to go to. They had the, they had lost two years in a row in the MLS cup finals. Um, and we ended up making it to the finals that year. It, it, honestly, it could have been a rookie. It could have been a dream rookie season. So I, I ended up starting our very first game in Chicago. And I realized during that time that, um, well, I should backtrack a little bit because I'm sometimes, and this just came to me, but I don't know if I've ever said this on the uh, podcast, but um, I, I make it seem real rosy. Like it was, it was, they, man, they gave you a huge contract. They actually brought me in and they said, we want you to take a developmental contract. And uh, I was like, why would you draft me fifth overall? I had an agent. I called him and said, what should I do? He said, you should take it. I fired him because I was like, well, you're not even going to like try to <laughs> get a deal for me. And so I was like, I, it was a big difference. Development contracts this 2007 was like 18 grand before taxes. Right. And a senior roster spot, which means my, my, Development contract, I wouldn't have been guaranteed they could cut me all anytime during the year. And a senior roster spot would have been guaranteed for the year, but that was still like $35,000. Wow. And so they said, okay, Wells, and this is one of the decisions I'm most proud I've made in my life. They said, you can, you can either take the developmental contract or you can play for the senior roster spot. So basically all of preseason, I was on trial, right? Wow. I was a fifth overall pick, but I was on trial. I just remember like being so confident and I played really, really well in preseason and I earned the senior roster spot. So, oh, cool. uh, yeah, and it could have been a dream season. So we won the U.S. Open Cup. I scored the game winning goal, actually, to give the Revolution their first ever trophy. Wow. Uh, we made it to the MLS Cup finals. I played the whole finals, but unfortunately, we ended up losing. So it was the third year in a row the Revs had lost in the finals. Fourth out of the past six years, we'd go around and people would have have bill signs for us. It sucked. <laughs> that would be uh that would be tough no doubt so and then um a, a few years after that you were traded to colorado rapids which is where you and i first met and yes again early on in your career there you guys had a tremendous success so one what was the emotional ride like finding out that you've been traded and then two going from one locker room to another and of, of, you know, successful franchises that were on the, uh, the up and up. It was really difficult to make the transition to, to pro sports. Uh, Wake Forest was a family, um, you know, it, it, it felt like that. Um, and everybody was your age. You're kind of going through the same things. The professional scene was different. Uh, you had people from all over the world. 
um, big, bigger personalities that were making money. It was more about business. So I had a great first season. The second season, I really struggled, had an injury that I had to deal with. And by the third season, I was basically me and the coaching staff were, we were both okay to part ways with each other. Mm -hmm. We had both recognized we didn't get uh, you, you know, maybe we should look for different options here. And so I just remember that off season, I think I was traded like January 20th, which preseason starts first week of February, if not the last week of January. I remember that whole off season, just hoping my agent would call me every single day and tell me that I was traded. I wanted a fresh start. And so I was traded at the perfect time. I was traded to Colorado, won MLS Cup that year. Um, I loved Colorado. I got to meet you, man. Jeez, you're so awesome in my life. I mean that. And um, yeah, it was it was the start of a new adventure. I mean, I have when I think about my career, I think Colorado is what I think about the most. Um, I think MLS Cup has a lot to do with that. I think the team has a lot to do with that. Um, the area, the just the people that I was able to meet. So um, it was it was it was difficult, like transitioning. But um, I transitioned uh, later in my career mid-season, and that sucked really bad. So yeah. I was thankful that it was the beginning of the season, and I was able to start fresh with, with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you guys came in, and that was just a, a great group of guys. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly you could see your passion for the game out on the field. And, you know, when you look at it, and, I, and, and certainly at that time, I think it's growing in prominence and recognition being uh, the MLS and soccer as a sport here domestically. Um, but even back in 2010, I don't think it was widely recognized for what it really was, that you, you were the top of the top for the uh, American League. Um, that was a global league. I mean, there were players um, from I don't know how many countries represented just in your locker room, let alone the rest of the league. Um, what, what did that feel like, um, you know, hoisting that cup with your teammates, the, the recognition and realization that you were the preeminent leading team in the MLS and then did all the things that come with that. You went to the White House, you know, celebrated yeah. it. You had a fan day. Um, what was that experience like for you? It's um, good and bad. Um, I found out like five minutes before the MLS Cup finals, I wasn't starting, uh, which was that was a freaking dagger. Um, um, it was when we won the cup, all that went away and I was really, really excited about it. And, um, my family was there to celebrate with me. My, my fiance, I think she my fiance was there to sell Maybe she wasn't my fiance then, but, uh, she was there to celebrate with me. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's part of what made me who I am that drive to, I was never, um, happy with, coming off the bench or not playing. I always wanted to play and be the best. And uh, as a matter of fact, that off season was the, the probably the best off season I had. I, I came back in the most incredible shape I've ever been in my life. It just really pushed me. It motivated me because um, the, the MLS cup is great. I wanted to be a bigger part of it. And for me, I was a big part of the MLS cup and everybody on the team was right. Even if they didn't play, um, but I, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, for me, I was just never comfortable or okay with being second fiddle. And so, um, it was a phenomenal experience. Got to go to the white house, shake Obama's hand. Um, I was actually, what's really cool about it, I was recognized for the work that I did in, in and around the Denver community with the homeless mm -hmm. Obama, like recognized me in front of everybody. That was really, really cool. I was thankful for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, you know, after every trophy I got, I expected it to fulfill me. 
like I'm good. I can die and never did. And so, um, you know, that that's challenge with what I call worldly things, right? Mm -hmm. They're great. Celebrate them. But like, you know, nobody knows that. Like I was back in Colorado recently speaking to two high school teams and I go, does anybody know who I am? And one person from each group did. I was so thankful one person did. I was like, it made my life because it's, it's easily forgotten. The next day people were like, are you going to win it again? And, and that sort of thing. So awesome achievement. So thankful that I was able to experience it, but it didn't fulfill me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we'll talk about that when we talk about what you're currently doing, because as I sit back as a fan and I listen in, you know, thinking of my own kids' journeys and how, how amazing, you know, it would be to look back and I'm sure your parents feel it. So you're drafted in the first round, you win a uh, U.S. Open Cup, you win an MLS Cup, um, you spent almost a decade playing professionally, and yet weren't fulfilled. And I think that that will kind of get into the journey that you were led to. Um, and all yeah. those stories are written for a very specific reason. And, you know, the path that, that you took and, and continue to take, I think it's very specific because your impact, your greatest impact in life, I, you know, is, is going to continue off the pitch um, as you're now impacting thousands and thousands as we get into it. So, but when we look back at your career, I imagine going in, if somebody would have sat with you, your freshman year at Wake, when you were, you know, still fighting adamantly for playing time at the collegiate level and said, listen, Wells, you're, you're going to end up being a starter here. You're going to end up being drafted. You're going to end up being drafted in the first round, the fifth overall pick. You're going to win a U.S. Open Cup. You're going to travel the globe playing the game that you love. You're going to win an MLS Cup. You're going to play with numerous Olympians and EPL stars and everything else. You know, would that satisfy you? What do you think your answer would have been as a freshman? Wow, that's a great question. I've actually never been asked that question. I think I would have taken it. I think I would have said, yeah, like count me in for sure. Yeah, it's amazing how life, uh, results can impact our perspective, right? Because I would agree with you. Um, but I think now, you know, knowing you and a little insider story that we'll kind of get to for the rest of the audience is I think you're way more fulfilled now than certainly when I knew you when you were playing at the highest levels and competing and in that locker room on a day-to-day basis. 